And welcome to Fascinating Nouns. Now, if you are listening to this transmission, we are still the galaxy's most trusted source for incredible people, places, things, and ideas. Now, together we arrive at this curious nexus point, and we will explore the strange, unusual, offbeat, bizarre, intriguing, interesting, invigorating, quirky, quaint, quizzical, weird, wild, wacky, the fun, the frivolous, and the fringe, plus all the spaces in between. I am your host, Daniel J. Glenn. Now, have you ever found yourself in the situation where you've lost your wedding ring or any sort of piece of jewelry or metal that had sentimental value to you and you didn't know where to find it or even how to go about that? Well, I'm about to solve your problem by introducing you to a guy who has solved that problem. And his name is Chris Turner, and he's put together an international directory of ring finders uh, and you can find these people on a website aptly named theringfinders.com. Now, this isn't exclusive to rings. You will find all kinds of stuff. Anything that's metal, uh, sentimental to you, and is hard to find, these are the guys to call. And this international website, you can actually go on it, and you can find people in your neighborhood who will do this. Uh, most of them work on just donations, so there's, there's no like set fee. It's not a business in that respect. Uh, but they're you know good-hearted people and people who will help you find this type of stuff. I think I found this topic really interesting. A, that's something that is as charitable uh, as this exists. You know, a group of people who just want to, you know, make smiles. The Book of Smiles. We're going to learn about that. But just people who want to help other people, genuinely. Uh, I found that shocking, surprisingly shocking, in this world we live in. But also. In a weird way, this is kind of cuts close to home because I've lost a very important sentimental piece of metal jewelry, and I'd wish these guys had been around when I'd lost it. Uh, I'm going to tell you that story. So my grandfather had my grand. Well, let's start earlier than that. My grandmother bought me um, a religious medal. Uh, she was very religious, and it's one of these things that uh, you have blessed and it keeps you safe. Uh, and she bought it for me because my grandfather had a very similar one that he wore through the war, World War II, and kept him safe and alive despite being shot several times by those dang Nazis. So we made it through, and I remember when he died, he was uh, in his coffin, and I remember he had the medal with him, and uh, I, I wanted it. I wanted to be able to have it. I didn't want him to be buried with it. And... He, uh, you know, my grandmother kind of reluctantly gave it to me. I, I don't think it ever actually crossed her mind to pass it down because it was such a part of who he was, uh, such an essence he wore everywhere that he went. And so I had it, and she entrusted me with this. And, um, you know, I remember wearing both of my medals, uh, and they clanked around kind of like a dog tag. That <laughs> sounded like uh, my dogs when they're walking around with their little, you know, their little tags clinking back and forth. But, you yeah, know, I was 16, 17 at the time. And about uh, maybe four four months later, um, I was hanging out with one of my friends at his house, and I remember one second it was there, and one second it was gone. It had caught on something, one of the little rings that had fallen off. And I remember just being devastated and looking all around, and I could never find it. And you know, had an organization like this existed, um, I would have found it. I'd have it with me right now, and. You know, obviously I can't go back in time, not yet. As soon as someone cracks that nut, they're going to be on this show telling me about time travel. But that can't happen, and so it will never happen for me. So it's surprisingly comforting to know that these guys are out there, and a guy like Chris Turner who's doing this you know, basically for charity, for donations, for as much as you can afford uh, or as little as you can afford or if nothing, whatever you feel it's worth to you. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I, I just found that fascinating. So... Without further ado, uh, I think we should get right into this uh, with Chris Turner. Chris, not only not only do you have an interesting company, but you, in fact, are extremely interesting. Um, I mean, because <laughs> you, I mean, because you started out, you know, being interested in metal detecting as a kid, but you had an earlier love, which was soccer. I mean, you were a professional soccer player, and you set records doing that. That was my that was my dream. Yeah, that was my goal. But to be honest with you, Dan. Um, this is by far the greatest job I've ever had. I played for Canada. I played in the NASL for seven years. I get more 
happiness from doing what I'm doing now than I ever did playing soccer. Uh, you know, it's it's the soccer thing's cool to me because um, you know I live in America, and so you know yeah. soccer's soccer's not one of the top sports. No disrespect to the sport, I do I do understand um, its oh, place taken, in the world. No. Um, but but you see, so you did this right out of high school. I mean, you were like one of the youngest goalies in in the in history, right? Well, in North American Soccer League, I was, and um, you know my my father um, who just passed away this year. I miss him a ton, but um, I'm sorry to he, hear that. he was a man to thank you. He was a man that took my brother and I out uh, when I was five. My brother was seven. Said one's going to be a goalie, one's going to be a center half because he played goalie, <laughs> broke his wrist, and then he, he became a center half. So my brother picked center half. He was two years older than me. I got stuck with goalie. And wait, your dad? Nobody... Your, your dad told you guys what you were going to do? You're oh yeah, do he said one's a goalie, one's a center half. And well, he didn't say professional, but. He knew the positions he played, and that's what he, his strong points were. So okay, nobody in my youth ever coached me uh, in goalie apart from my dad. He was the only one that really kind of recognized the position, knew it. Um, most goalkeepers at a young age got thrown in there because they probably weren't the fastest kid or the most skilled in the field. So you go on goal. I started out knowing the position when I was five years old, and I played on a team that was two years older up until I was like 13. Oh, wow. So he was a, he was a smart guy because when I got older, I was, you know, offered to play on one of the best teams out here. And my father said, no. And I was devastated because I had friends on the team and they always won the championship. I said, dad, I can win the sun tournament. And then he goes, no, he goes, you're never going to be tested. He goes, you stay where you are. And it was the smartest thing because the goalie on that team never really had a shot, but they've won every tournament. So I would always face him and, mm. you know, going out for select teams and national tryouts and, I had so much experience because he never had a shot. So my, my dad was smart, putting me where he did and, you know, um, training, training me the way he did. He was uh, a smart man. You know, it's funny that you, that for, to be, to get a lot of practice as a goalie, your defense has to be kind of crappy. You know, you have to keep getting shots taken <laughs> at you, right? I mean, that's the only way to be a good goalie. It, it, and that's what he did. He put me on a team that was two years older. So he knew I was going to be tested a lot. And, um, he, you know, he, he, he had a good game plan and stuck to it. And, you know, when I graduated, I, I went right into the uh, North American soccer league, which you probably found out was San Jose earthquakes. Yeah. The, the, well, and you know, it's, it's because you were on the Vancouver Whitecaps. That's kind of what most people that I saw were kind of knew you for. Um, now, now just being a goalie, is that kind of the crappy position? Cause I would think you're not really running around. You're just kind of standing there and you're just taking shots. And at the end of the game, if it's tied, which it typically is, I mean, you're the one taking, you know, shots from their best players. It's an exhilarating position. I wouldn't say crappy. I, I think anybody who goes into a, a position like that, um, it's, it's a bit of a crazy position. You know, you gotta be off the wall a bit to, to be a goalkeeper. Um, <laughs> yeah. You can be the hero or you can be the bum. And I've been that many a times. I mean, one, one, you make a penalty shot, you save it, the crowd loves you, and all of a sudden you, you let them and bad goal, they hate you. And that's how it is. I mean, it's any sport. You look at hockey, any sport, any goalie, you can be a bum or a hero. And that's how people <laughs> see you. And, um, you know, I, I was a bum many a times, I'm sure, but I, I loved it. I, you know, I played for, I was fortunate enough to play seven years in North American Soccer League right to the end in 1984 when it went defunct. I ended my career playing for Canada with a, a knee injury in a friendly game against the Italian World Cup team. And 1986, that was a, a career ender for me. So um, I got into film and television and, you know, picked up the metal detector again after my career and hit that pretty hard. And that's what's led me into this company. No, no. You said you worked in the film and television. Were you? Did you work actor? Or you were a crew. Um... I tried. I tried acting. I didn't like it. Um, really? My first part was with Johnny Depp on uh, Twenty One Jump Street, and I only had one line. I think it was I counted it already, and you go through your head a thousand ways on how to say it. And I ended up. Um, <laughs> These being pretzels are making me thirsty. I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Kramer. That's too funny. Um, but but yeah, it just wasn't my thing. I fell into doing stand-in work, and I've done that for 25 years, and it's helped afford me to go out and, to Europe and kind of chase my dream of treasure hunting. And um, that's what I've been doing for 25 years in film is make enough money to do what I really love. And you know, for me, the relic hunting in Europe is incredible. Um, the the ring finders was 
purely an accident. You know, I was, um, I was living in LA after my career and I was doing the beach in the morning and I, some guy charged me running and yelling. I thought, Oh my God, what's, gonna, what's going on here? And as he got closer, he's like, can you help? Can you help? My wife lost her ring. And I'm like, yeah, man, where are you? And he's up here. So I went up there and she just looked like she'd been crying all night. They'd been there all night, just surfing and sifting the sand and using flashlights trying to find the ring. And I found it in like two minutes. Really? And she just broke down crying. He pulled out his wallet and gave me a ton of money. I'm like, they don't want your money. He goes, you're taking it. You know what this means to us. And they walked away. And I thought that was crazy. That's, you know, but to see how happy it made him, I was like, wow. So I didn't think much of it. And then later I, um, I, I, uh, hang on for a second. Thank you. Later. I, I was in Cancun. I lived there for a year and I was doing the same thing and people saw me and came running, can you help? And I would help them and they would, they would pull out their wallet and give me money. I'd say, no, I don't want your money. They're saying you're taking it. But to see the reactions on people's face and what it meant to them, um, I knew right away there's, there's, there's a business here, you know, and that's what I created was actually here in Vancouver called Finders. Now, when you and, say they came um, running up to you, now you had a metal detector with you. They weren't just seeing you. I had a metal detector, and I was I was working the beach, and I don't normally do it when there's people on the beach. So I'd always be early in the morning before people, or, or late at night when people were gone. So the people that would see me were early in the morning, were still searching for their ring, and they'd see me and come running over. Can you help? And and um, in Cancun in a year, I don't know how many people I helped. It was it was a, quite a few, and I just thought to myself when I came back to Vancouver. I got to see if I can uh, do something with this. And this is really before the computer age, you know? So I was just putting out flyers to lifeguards and posting, posting them up in community halls. And I'd get maybe four calls a year and I get four smiles and I thought this is great. And then the internet kind of popped up and that's changed everything. Well, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's funny how that works. I, I mean, I imagine when, when you spent two minutes and, they were handing over tons of money. That must have been the, was well, that not, the light bulb not, not moment. Tons of money. Let's, this is a lucrative just, business. Um, You're like, wait a second, hold on now. <laughs> yeah, well, no, it, it definitely it made me think. You know, I'm not saying tons. It wasn't thousands. It's what they had, and you know, to me, it was like it wasn't necessary. I'm doing what I love to do, but then it happened again. It happened again. And I'm thinking, okay, there is definitely something here, uh, something that's needed. And that's the way I kind of look like this is a needed service. And I came back to Vancouver, I created finders. I was getting calls here and there. And um, then, then um, the internet came, I started getting more calls. And then seven years ago, uh, somebody I haven't met to this day contacted me and said, I love what you're doing in Vancouver. I love how you're helping people with, uh, with your metal detectors. And, this guy said, have you thought of doing it in a, you know, a higher level, a level and helping more people? And I said, well, yeah, but it's a money thing. He says, well, I'll pay for it. Wow. And I'm like, what? He goes, I'll pay for it. He says, you create the directory and build it and I will pay for it. So he's a silent partner and I built the directory. It wasn't cheap. I mean, we got corporate taxes. We got lawyers. We got, um, you know, designers, programmers, and he paid for it. And he paid for the taxes for the first three years. And um, now it's paying itself. And, you know, we've got close to 400 members now, 25 countries. And uh, it's starting to uh, show up all over the place. I mean, we're getting some phenomenal press. Good Morning America reached out to us. Uh, NBC Late Night News wants to do a story. Inside Edition's waiting to do a story. So people are now realizing what the the ring finders is about and I'm, I'm really happy because the more people that know the more smiles we can find and that's what this is about yeah well i mean in fascinating nouns reached out to you guys too and they're, they're, they want to do a full-length podcast on you so you guys are really hitting pay dirt with this um now now let's i want to come back to this clandestine behind the scenes sure. figure in a second but let's let's reach back into history let's talk about how sure. the genesis of uh the nexus point where you found your love for metal detecting itself where did, where did that come from my dad had a, a Field and Streams magazine in the house, and I just happened to pick it up one day. I think it was around 12, 12 or 13, and I was looking, looking through it, and I saw a metal detector. And I said to my dad, I go, what's that? He goes, it's a metal detector. I go, what does it do? And he says, it finds treasure. 
And I said, well, I want one. He goes, well, get a job. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, I like your dad. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, I do too. Uh, <laughs> I got a job at a chicken farm for, uh, for the summer. And I worked all summer and I, I bought a metal detector. And I started going to parks and finding old, well, silver coins, you know, from the 60s, 50s, 40s, and a few, few rings here and there. And I was just fascinated with it. So I, I kept that up until I turned professional. And out of high school, I put it away for like seven years. And, you know, after my career ended, I uh, picked it back up. But well, that's that, how it started. It was from a Field and Streams magazine. Well, so, and, and I think, if I, if I remember correctly, uh, you found a neighbor's ring in a garden. And then I, I believe did. you had apple pie was my... for a three, a 365 days of apple well, pie, right? Yeah, it was, the lady was, it was like, I just got my metal detector and I was playing in the backyard with it and testing it out. And the, my neighbor goes, Christopher, what is that? And I started telling her about it. She goes, could it find gold? And I said, yeah. And she goes, well, I lost my ring. I forget how many years, you know, what she was gardening. It was a few years prior or five or six years. And I said, well, let's look. And I found it. The look on her face was just like her jaw dropped. And I got apple pies. I'm pretty sure every day, every week, every week for like a year, there'd be an apple pie at the door. So she was really grateful. I, you know, I didn't think then, wow, this is a great service. I just thought, well, that was fun. Um, now, did you work out the apple but, pie thing beforehand? Were you like, look, Mrs. Smith, I'll, no, no, I'll no, find no, your, no, no. I need apple you know, pie, though. Much, Dan, that's funny. But much, much like I am now, I, I don't charge for the service. I work on a reward basis. It's what people can afford and what it's worth to them. I've done it for homemade loaf of banana bread. I've done it for a smile. Um, I didn't pay as much as $2,000 for recovery. So it's what people can afford and what it's worth to them. I just, just before you called off the phone, we got some snow here and I'm going out after the uh, interview to go look for a, a ring for a fellow just about 10 miles from me. He lost oh, okay. his life wow. on snowballs. <laughs> so I don't charge. It's just what people can afford and what it's worth to them. So now how does a metal detector work? Like how do these things kind of function? Um, well, there's, there's two types. There's uh, pulse induction, um, which is a very deep seeking machine. Uh, there's um, VLFs. Uh, it's, they're, they're so far advanced now from the first ones I got when I was a kid. They can tell you if it's a nickel, dime, penny, quarter, half dollar, dollar, it gives you an idea where the gold's going to fall into, but you're also going to find a thousand uh, pull tabs with it. Um, they're waterproof. I got ones that can go underwater. Uh, there's ones that are specifically for prospecting. Uh, there's different machines for different types of hunting now. So you can entry level could spend maybe a hundred bucks and you can go up to like $6,000 for one. And they detect different types of metal and, and, and how deep it is? All like metal. Fish all, all metal. Yeah, it's, it's all metal. It will give you an idea, a visual display with a number and tell you what it thinks it could be. And um, it's pretty accurate. I mean, some of these machines are really accurate to, with the coins. In America, they'll tell you nickel, dime, penny, quarter, half dollar, dollar. Our, our coinage is different, so it won't be as accurate. But uh, they're they're pretty incredible. You can discriminate so you don't have to dig out the iron. You can you know, discriminate nails, anything like that. So today when I go out, I'll take, I'll take a machine with me that will give me an idea. So I'll know the readings. There, there could be underground power lines that are running now people have and sewers and stuff like that. So you got to really look at what the numbers are coming in at to get an idea if it's going to be the ring. There, this is a recent loss in about six inches of snow. So it won't be hard to find at all. Now, when you go out on a typical find, uh, I guess it depends on where they're saying they lost it and how long ago, but what do you usually bring with you? What's standard equipment? Well, I, I, I'll take uh, one that will, you know, I'll take my Surfmaster PI Pro. To, it's a pulse induction. It will beep on, hammer on everything. It will beep on everything. And then I'll bring one that will have a visual display, a VLF, and that will give me an idea what it's going to be. I use, I take two of those and the one that will bang on everything I usually start with because um, like I say, it's a recent loss. If it was something that was lost for 10 or 20 or 30 years, then I'll take a visual display so I can see what it's coming in at. And I know if it's a gold or if it's platinum, what the numbers are going to range in. So I don't have to spend all day digging holes. <laughs> right. No one likes gophers. And something. believe me, there's so much there's so much garbage. When I go to a beach, I use my pulse induction because you want to get the, the depth when you're at a right. beach. And you got a sand scoop and you just scoop, shake, there it is, a bottle cap, pull tab, bobby pin, nail, put it in your pouch. You know, my garbage pouch, the end of a night, 
is I probably dump it two times. Jeez. Uh, and my, my treasure pouch, you never fill up because, you know, you're getting coins. It's here in Vancouver. It's, you could pull out $50 in a night and wow. change, which isn't bad. I mean, considering That's many, many years change? ago. Yes. And change because Jeez. we got the one and $2 coins now. Right. Oh, oh I mean, not so here in America. It, Exactly. So when I used to do it, if you pulled out like eight or nine dollars, that was a good night, you know, quarters and dimes and nickels and pennies. Thank God they stopped making pennies now because we hardly find them on the beaches anymore, which is great. Because in a night, you would dig up about 150 pennies. And that's, that's you know, your big scoop, shake, boom, penny, penny, penny. But um, it, it's, uh, yeah, you can you can do all right in the beaches out here. So now this all culminated into the Ring Finders, which which you talked about. Now now let's get into this this organization because this is really the the meat and potatoes of this whole thing. Uh, y- this is an international organization, and it's really a directory of people who are in particular areas of the world. This is international, like I said, who will right. go out and they will find not just rings. It's called the Ring Finders, but it's actually a better title would be the Bling Finders because they find anything made out of metal that you've lost, right? Right, right, absolutely. And I do own the blingfinders.com too. Oh, do you? Um, but, <laughs> you know, in my, in, in my experience, 97% of our calls relate to rings. Therefore, the ring finders is a perfect name. And the one that people remember, like if, if it was a story about Chris Turner, a month from now, who's Chris Turner? There's a guy who found rings. What's his name? Oh, I can't remember. But they'll remember the ring finders. So I, it's a great name. Um, and it is 97% of the time we are called out to find lost rings. I just had a member who just posted a, a, a Rolex watch presidential. I think it was platinum or white gold. So we do find watches. We can find, you know, gold crosses, um, pendants, rings, you name it, we can find it. I've, I've been had members called out to do house and property searches through lawyers where they had found receipts for gold, but they couldn't find the gold. So they hired our metal detecting specialist to go out and search the property. And they found 90 pounds of silver. It was like 10,000 Mercury and Roosevelt silver dimes. And Holy I God. think it was like 700 uh, walking liberties, half dollars. And so, I mean, the calls will come, you know, for all kinds of stuff. I mean, property markers, people want us to find. I mean, you just never know what the call is going to be. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like it's kind of like a whatever you get. I mean, it sounds kind of exciting. You never know what you're going to go after. Um, now, now this, that's what I love about it. Now, this, this guy who's behind this whole thing. Let's talk about this this clandestine person who's this man in the shadows. Uh, now, you've never met. And it's a man, right? Or does he? Do they talk with a voice modulator? I mean, do, do they have a no, know, no, 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 no <laughs> secret? Do they want to be? No, no, no. I, we talk all the time. I, I, as a matter of fact, we, we just. Um, redid our whole website and it wasn't cheap. Uh, we spent over a year uh, developing it and um, getting it to where it needs to be, spent a lot of money on it. And he's like, he's a, he's a partner with me who's never asked for anything. And I, I will say to him, I'll go, Hey, his name is Bernie. I'll go, Bernie, um, you know, let's, let's pay you back your original investment. And he's like, no, put it back into the company. Um, so that's what we do. We just put it back in the company and, um, we spent, like I say, over a year redeveloping our website, and I'm really proud of it. It came out fantastic. Well, no, I, I, I got to tell you, Chris, I'm one of these people. I don't trust anyone, so there's got to be something. There's no such thing as a free lunch. He's got to be getting something out of it. What is his motivation behind he, he's it? A, he's a 30% shareholder in the company, Okay, and I think, I think he looks at it as – you know, when he retires, this is something he can fall back on. But for, for what I understand, I've never met him. And I am like you too. Nobody does anything for free in this world. Exactly. But then again, our whole directory does when you look at it. We don't charge. We work in a reward basis. Somebody can call me today. I can go out today. I don't know what I'm going to go make if I make anything. So we are an unusual group. And we leave it up to people. And there's not many companies run like that. I don't think there's any company that runs like that. If you're a plumber, you're not a successful company. We're not a successful company, but like, you know, what we do is we help people. And, you know, it's, I guess we look at it as a, a treasure hunt with something at the end. Sometimes you do get paid. Sometimes you don't, but 
for me, in my experience, in the years I've done, I've recovered just over 500 uh, rings now for people in my, my time. And I've never been disappointed with the reward. And um, it is, like you say, what people can afford and what it's worth to them. Well, now let me, let me ask you, because a couple of things I just want to get clarification on. Let's talk about the dirtier sure. parts of this business, Chris. Now, you mm-hmm. used to charge an hourly fee. Um, I think it was the finders when you had the finders you used to charge an hourly yeah. fee plus a finders fee. Um, now that I That's can right. understand, why did you do away with that system? That seems much more uh, lucrative. And to be honest, you know, and all joking aside, I mean, you guys are putting a lot of time into this stuff. You know, some people have been out for 19 days looking for stuff. Some people find in 10 yeah. minutes, but you're putting time in and you know, but how can we did away with, with a paid system? I had a lady call me and she said, I lost my grandmother's ring, which is now my wedding band. I feel embarrassed even calling you because I'm on welfare. I have three kids. I was at a soccer game going from one field to the other, and I lost the ring. And I have no money to pay you. I, I'm embarrassed to even call you. And that, that day, I changed the whole structure because I never wanted anybody to feel they couldn't have a second chance to find what they lost. Wow. That's so you're a good guy, which is outside of the norm with these types of things, I imagine. Because that's a, I mean, that's a, you know what? That's that's a lot. It takes a lot of integrity. It takes a big person to do something like that. Well, I, I think the whole directory is like that. We're like 97% of the people have followed in in the footsteps of working on a reward basis, knowing that we're not going to get paid every time. You know, we might go out and find a $10,000 ring and get paid 50 bucks. But that's what the person can afford. The next time you go out, you might make 500 bucks. You just never know. So I found it a much better way to do it and to leave it up to people to pay you what they can afford. And like I say, I've never been disappointed. And this way, everybody has a second chance to find what they lost. And, you know, we're closing on 400 members. And like I say, 97% of them are working in the same way. So there's a lot of great people out there. Yeah, and and you don't force people to to work on your system, right? Like they're choosing to work on a on a donation basis. That's right. I what I what I tell them is what works for me, and I explain to them this is your service because they're paying to be on the directory. Right. So it's their it's their service. They get their profile page, um, and they can run it any way they like. And most of them, like I say, are running it the same way on a reward basis they see the value in being able to help people and understanding that not a lot of people can afford it so you know sometimes like i say you can make make a really nice reward other times a little less but i look at it as a balance so um that's that's just how i feel in my heart and how i want to work and like you say the internet's a, a pretty wild place, and you know we all look for the bad in it. But believe it or not, there's some good in it as well. No, I believe that. Um, but what's interesting now, now, just to put a little twist on that, what's interesting is on your yeah. site, you you know people are charged an annual fee uh, to be registered on your site, yeah. which which makes sense. But you can also, yeah, because um, you only allow three people per city to to operate. Yeah. Like in like I live in Los Angeles, so there's sections of Los Angeles, and you have three people. But people can pay yeah. extra to lock down that city and occupy all three slots or put um, a 60 to 100-mile radius around it, which essentially is monopolizing their ability to be the single searcher in that area, which would indicate right. that this could be lucrative for some people. Or at least in their mind, it makes sense financially to lock down those areas Absol- as abs- the premier absolutely. treasure hunter. Absolutely. And um this was all done by request of members. Actually, when I started it with my partner, we discussed it and this was going to be a, a, a directory where like a yellow pages, as many people could join as wanted. So we could have in LA a thousand members. Mm, That's originally how we looked at the directory was anybody can join as many people could. We, we request everybody had a year's experience uh, with their detectors before they can join. So they had experience with it. Most have much more than that. But that's how we looked at it was this is a directory as many people who want to join can. Well, after I got going and it was a slow, humble beginning in the beginning, you know, we started slowly and then people joined and within, I think year four, people started requesting, you know, phoning and saying, Mr. Turner, you know, if there's going to be like 10, 20, 30 people, how am I going to get a call? I go, well, because you're going to be top listed. Yeah. But if there's that many to select from, they might not call me. 
can you rethink this? And then I had people call one guy bought 30 locations and he, right. he, he phoned me and <laughs> yeah, well, because there is value in what we do. And, um, you know, the, it's, it's a great director to be on. Let's face it. There's really nothing like it on the internet. And, um, the, some of the people saw the value in it right away. These people contacted me and said, can we do like a perimeter lock? And they explained to me what they were thinking. And that's what we did. We started doing 60 and hundred mile perimeter locks. And I find a lot of guys that were buying up that were older and close to retirement. And we're looking at this as something they could do while retired, which is perfect for people to do while they're retired. Definitely. And they saw the value in, in locking down, you know, a hundred mile grid. So they would be the only one in that grid. Therefore, they'd get more calls. So that's what we did. We talked to my partner and we discussed it. And we went from having an open directory to three per town or city or beach. And that's how we're running it now. And I, I guess what, what's great about this is I'm not a businessman. <laughs> I'm, I'm a treasure hunter like everybody else. So I saw it when they started mentioning that. I started seeing it and I thought, well, yeah, I wouldn't want like 100 people in Vancouver. Right, so I saw right. the value in that, and um, that's why we made it three per town or city. And let's not forget, you know, while we're breaking all this stuff down, as I like to discuss it, you still donate 15% of this stuff to charity. Or you you personally do. You don't do, require yeah. the site to, but you do personally, right? Yeah, I've been doing it since the beginning to Children's Hospital. Um, and I guess why Children's Hospital is because when I played professional soccer, I remember going to uh, Children's Hospital in San Jose when it was with the San Jose earthquakes and seeing these amazing kids and fighting their fight. And it just, it just sunk in my heart and I've never forgot it. And you give 15% of your, of your earnings there. That's pretty incredible. Um, let, let's talk about the ring finding process. If we could, how does sure. this begin? So someone calls you, let's take the snowball guy for a second. So he calls you, he says, okay. Hey, I've, I've lost my ring. Um, I think it's in this general area that's covered in white. So some, you know, some, there must be some landmark of some kind. Uh, would you, sure. do you like cordon off the area? Do you start in an epicenter and work your way out spiral? Do you do a grid system? How does this work? Yeah, it's, it's a total grid system. If what I do is I listen and you really got to be it's a great question, by the way, Dan, um, you really got to be a great detective. You can be good with a metal detector, but if, if you don't ask the questions, you can be walking away from a smile. And I learned that early on and you really want to listen to people ask them the right questions because most times people see the ring off they associate the loss where they're standing oh my ring's off oh my god and that's where they associate it oh right you yeah, come in sense. and you search it and it's not there and they're like i can't understand and then you start saying well what were you doing well i was putting suntan lotion on do you take your rings off yes i did where were you sitting well i was sitting over there on a towel with my kids okay let's go over there boom there's the ring but they move throughout the day and this is where they, you know, where they see it off their hands. That's the association. So you really have to ask a lot of questions. And um, I had one lady in particular, I remember uh, it was night, her girlfriend was passing her her rings. She had it in her pocket. It would be, they just finished yoga or something like that. And she dropped it, it hit the pavement and she showed me. And I, she said, Mr. Turner, it's right in here. So I started grid searching and I didn't find it. And there's just grass on either side. It wasn't going to be a hard search. They heard it. They know it wasn't on the pavement. They had flashlights. Like it's got to be in the grass. So I started searching and no ring. So I started moving down the hill. But she's like, Mr. Turner, no, 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 not down there. It's up here. And I know to myself, like, it's not up here. My equipment doesn't lie. I know it's not here. But I, I just went back and I regretted it. And it was pretty cold. And I said, why don't you guys go back to your car and I'm going to spend another 20 minutes. As soon as I went back to the car, nice I went saying, like, I Stay out of my way. Yeah. <laughs> Wait for a second. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> but as soon as they went to their car, I went to where I felt it must be because it wasn't where they thought it was. And it took me two minutes. And I found it. So <laughs> if you don't expand your grid, you yeah. possibly could be walking away. And I tell all my members that. And when they join, they get a, they get a info book with tips and tricks and techniques and grid search videos. And I show them what I've learned and, over 25 years of helping people. Well, you know, it's funny that you say that because I've lost something and I know that like, oh, it dropped here, it's in this area. And you become mm -hmm. hyper-focused on that area as the person who lost the item. But as a detective yeah. coming in, you're coming in as a third party saying like, look, this doesn't, your story doesn't make sense. 
Um, I can't necessarily tell you that without insulting you. So go away for a second. Let me do what I do. And then you have, you know, you do the analysis, the Sherlock Holmes work. And that's how you find stuff because you're coming at it from a Absolutely. totally different, you know, without any emotion involved. And, and I can totally understand a person who's never met me entrusting me with something that is so irreplaceable and so sentimental value that they don't want to take their eyes off of you. They don't know who I am. I mean, fortunately now, if you go to my website, you'll see, you know, hundreds of testimonials, thousands or, you know, hundreds of smiles, and you'll see that I'm good at what I do. And the testimonials show that I'm uh, an honest, trustworthy person. But for most people, they don't want to take their eyes off you. So um, I can understand that. But if I don't think out of the box, if I don't expand the grid, like I say, you're walking away from a smile. So a lot of times I come in, I search it, I don't find it. I go, I just start asking more questions. One of the toughest searches I ever found to do and still it's hard is when somebody gets mad at their spouse and they throw their ring mm -hmm. that one is uh, a common it happens a lot mm -hmm. and i'll come in for a garden search and i'm in the bushes and i'm thinking okay there's no garden here so i already know what happened but they're too embarrassed to tell you so i just play it off and just say look you know a lot of people get mad at their spouse and they throw the rings they're like really it's like yeah it happens all the time and they go well that's what happened i go oh, where were you standing and he played off like it's mm. no big deal, then people are more comfortable to yeah. talk to you, show you what they did. But originally they're trying to tell you it's a garden search. So, you know, uh, and by searches, garden search, you mean you you were gardening and it fell off your ring, it fell off your hand while gardening. Yes. That's right? a very, that's very common. I get a lot of those, but uh, when you're in a bush and there's no garden, there's something, something wrong with the story. But right. over the years I, I could pick up on that pretty quickly. Yeah, and you can't really say, like, hey, I'm getting kind of a crazy vibe off you guys. I'm assuming one of you got furious and threw the ring. Is that no, true? no, you, you can't, can't say, say you that. can't no. say that. Chris, don't say that. No, geez, no. <laughs> I would never say that. But but you can you can tell when you're in areas and you can tell how they're talking to you. I mean, I've had people say their kids threw the ring. Yeah. It's okay. So um but it's people are embarrassed. I mean, out of probably a hundred recoveries through anger. I maybe have one person that was brave enough to go on, on my video and talk about it. Really? Others won't. And I was so grateful this one lady talked about it because it's human. It happens. In the heat of the moment, that happens. So, you know, it was so nice and refreshing that one person would talk about it. And uh, it just helps others relax and know that it's, they're not the only ones. You know, this happens a lot. Yeah, I mean, some people lose their minds, you know. Some people can be very irritated, yeah. trust me. Uh, now, now you <laughs> you have a pretty incredible success rate personally. Um, your site, at least on the count, um, just a few minutes ago, you found three thousand one hundred and twelve successfully found rings. You are responsible for five hundred of them. That's roughly one sixth. Mm -hmm. How do you account for that success? Is it your competitive background? Um, why are you so successful? Uh, if people know where they've lost it and they put me in the area, I will find it if somebody hasn't beat me to it. If it's on public land like beaches, parks, there's an inherited chance that somebody may beat you to it, depending on how long it takes people to find you. Now with the Internet and people are so smart, they just type in, boom, they come to our site, and I'm, I'm on it the next day. There's a great chance going to find it. So my success is based on um, – their information and their certainty of where they lost it. I will be very successful in somebody like today. I know I'm going to find this ring today for this lady, you know, hundred percent. Um, the ones that are the toughest and I call them closer searches are when they don't know where it came off. They're hoping it's in their backyard. So I'll go and I'll search their backyard and close it off. I hundred percent grid search the back. I'll even go to the front and it's not there. Now they give them closure. So many times then people, will think they've lost it. I'll come and not find it. And I'll say, don't give up. This just means it's not where you think it is. You know, don't stop looking for it. You're going to find it in a bizarre place. And all of a sudden, a month later, I'll get a call. You'll never believe where I found it. That happens a lot. So I do a lot of closure searches for people. And it's a good thing because now they can stop focusing on where they think it is and go to other places where it may be. And that's helped a lot of people. No, that, that makes sense. I mean, you know, uh, I mean, one guy took 19 days. I think it was local, like Escondido or something like here. It took 19 yeah. days to find the ring. Um, yeah. Like, when when do you give up? There's got to be at some point where you're like, oh, I'm six months into this thing. I'm probably not going to find it. Oh, uh, that's, that's the time. We're, we're all, like, it is, I guess, 
because of my soccer background, I, I hate to give up. I, I went out for this one ring for three days, 18 hours, and I had to pack it in because it was, I even knew going in, it was a, a long shot because they didn't know 100% where it came off, but they put me in an area, and I must have searched for three days, like three soccer fields, wow. the, the size of my grid search area. And it was a hard-packed sand, so when the tide would come in and out, it would take probably five or six ties before it would start sinking in. Mm -hmm. So uh, it would have been an easy eyeball for somebody, but I always go with the wood if factor and I, I go until I feel I've done absolutely everything I can. Well, that's fair. I mean, you know, time is of the essence and things like that. Uh, you know, so like for mm -hmm. the snowball one, I am personally responsible for delaying you from getting over there, which could in fact hamper your search. Um, do you feel that, I mean, it's probably not as vital in this one, but do you think that there are some, especially on the beach, where time is even more of the essence? Absolutely. What we find on the beach is obviously other treasure hunters or melee touchers, but not only that, now the beach machines is one of our biggest enemies because these beach machines come out early in the morning before people are there and they comb the beaches and these machines can, the rings get caught up in the machines, they dump it, these guys can find it, but not only that, it could mangle the ring, knock out the stone, oh, bend wow. the, the gold. So I found them in all kinds of shapes. And it's, mm. uh, it's something that you got to, you know, you got to react quickly. Any, anywhere, you know, like a beach, you have to re react quickly. Uh, what is your easiest find? Has there ever been one where you didn't even need your equipment? Yeah, it's just funny when you mentioned that um, last Christmas, I think it was, um, this guy was hanging lights. It was a very small little plot of land and he was hanging lights and he felt his ring fall off. It got caught in the wires or something and he couldn't find it. It was just a small, like 20 by 20 area. So he phones me and says, it's a really small area. I, you know, but I know it's gotta be there. I can't find it. So as I walk up to his place the next day and it was very windy, I'm walking up to the stairs and I look to my left and under a little tree, just a little shrub tree, there's his ring. And I pick it up. Wow. I knock on the door. I go, how you doing? Here's your ring. He's like, what? Goes, right there. He would have walked by it every day. But what we figured was it was really windy and the wind had shaken it loose out of that little shrub. Oh. So it probably sat on the shrub for like, you know, how many days it was there before he called me. And he did everything he did to find it, couldn't find it. So, yeah, that was a, that was a really quick one. I, I've had some where I had a guy in the beach who lost a really heavy platinum ring, and he never moved from where it came off. So it took me an hour to get to the beach. I get to the beach. I meet him. I pass him my book of smiles. He's looking at it. I turn on the machine. I do one swipe, and I get his ring. Oh, here you go. And the guy's just like, this is incredible. But if people are 100% certain, my success rate is – is a hundred percent, but if they're not, that's where it becomes a challenge. Sure, sure, that makes sense. I, you know, it's also funny because you know we're talking about the ring finder specifically, but you know, metal detecting this treasure hunting idea. You know, this is kind of it can be lucrative in other areas. For example, you know, there's there's insurance companies that can hire you out to find uh -huh. high level yeah. things. You know, and there's also uh, food companies that help you find metal in their food. I'm not going to ask you to name so the you, food companies, you, but you've done very good research. I go deep. That's exactly. Yeah, I, I am the, the master and... detectorist when it comes to finding research material. Uh, yeah, I go That's deep. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so you tell me about this because that. that I've had a couple of food companies and I can't mention their names because you sign off on that, but had uh, I, I say one was a milk company and a piece of their machinery broke and um, they, they do their whole run of the day. And after the day, they go through all their equipment, make sure everything's in place. Well, this one piece about six inches long and about two inches thick was Jeez. gone. So the manager gets on the phone, calls me and said, look, I need your help. And they couldn't move the milk. It was all in the storage, and they couldn't move it until I got there. So they had me go in the freezer, and I was going, and I was freezing. I said, look, in any way we can move this, these you know, milk <laughs> outside a bit here. Yeah. yeah, he said, well, okay, yeah, we can do that. So they got their little wenches and lifted it out and put it out, and I would go up and down all the sides, in the middle, everything, and I'd say, okay, this flat's good. They'd, they'd load the flat onto the truck, and off it went, and we kept doing this. I don't know how many hours it took, maybe two to four. I got a heck of a signal on one. We opened it up, and there it was. This guy was just jumping up and down. He was so happy. That's incredible. 
That, yeah, and it was a giant piece of machinery that nobody would have drank, but they didn't want it showing up on the shelves and somebody going, what the heck, you know? Yeah, so. no, no kidding. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because this actually happens more often than you think. I remember one time, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, I went home. I'm from Chicago, and I ordered a, a stuffed pizza. So if anyone doesn't know what that is, it's this big, thick crust, lots of big, you know, two inches of cheese in the middle covered in sauce. And yeah. my mom bit in and pulled out a piece of metal that she had chewed on. And what happened is, you know, when someone oh. cut open the can, it must have, you know, a shaving must have gone in there. Uh, yeah, and I yeah. remember I went over there and had a, a polite, uh, well, I wasn't polite at all, but a corrective conversation with the people who owned it. And they almost refused to give us the pizza for free. I mean, to say something, I was mad enough to wow. throw a wedding ring. I'll tell you that, Chris. But that's a different story. Yeah. Uh, but I know that this stuff happens wow. occasionally. Um, and and it's, sure. I didn't even think that they would hire you guys to come in and pull that stuff out. That's, you know, that's really interesting, but makes me feel better about a lot of food companies. Well, I, I think what people are going to learn about this directory is in, we can help in all kinds of different ways. And like you say, insurance company, uh, there's somebody I've been knocking on the doors for the last eight years and even longer, even with finders, I was knocking on their doors and, we're starting to break through. It's, it's taken a long time, and you've got to go through so many layers to get to the right Wait, people. Wait, are you serious? This is like say, a natural look, marriage. It's like a natural partnership. It, it is a natural marriage, but they this is something that is so unusual for them. They're used to, to paying out. It's like somebody sets a claim, they pay it. That's what insurance companies do. And uh, this is something that is so unusual, and there, there's been so many layers I've had to get through to, but we are getting members now that have – made some great recoveries like you could see on our website the one gentleman in minneapolis that um i think it was the first years on the directory got a call from an insurance company and they made eighteen thousand dollars he got 30 percent of the value of the ring yeah and um and he had another diver on the directory helping because it was i think in 12 feet of water or something like that and it took him almost a day cleaning cleaning out all the beer cans and garbage and they found it and the kicker to that story was and i would have just been happy with this the guy he found the ring for the for his wife, he owned a chain of uh, steak restaurants, and the, the, both of them and their families can eat there for free for their life. And I'm like, oh my god, I would have been thrilled with that. But um, it's like apple pie, yeah, like apple pie every day, man. This is like yeah, like the apple You never you never go hungry. No, I know. I mean, it's God. It's such a great place to be. I I, I love and I'm so proud of this director. I'm so proud of the members who have joined. And see the same value in what I'm doing and doing it now because um, it's it's about helping people. You know, we've got a book of smiles. And to me, that I'd like to see that well over a million before I die because um, it's it's just the greatest book, man. Every page you just see people and their smiles and their reactions. So that's what the book of smiles is. It's just people smiling, right? It's a book of people smiling. After they found that, it's just a book of recoveries. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's, it's the book of recoveries, and it's called the book of smiles because you can't flip the page and not see somebody smiling. It's, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's what these people, my members, are doing. They're, they're helping people find their lost smiles. Um, that there's no so there's no like magazine of frowns for people that you have you know kind of either haven't found something for or been disappointed. I think when you don't find, I think we're just as disappointed as the people because we go out there with, with the hopes of finding it for them. So we get so used to seeing the smiles when we don't find it. We're like, oh, we're as bummed as they are. But, um, I, you know, we all know we can only find what's there to be found. If it's there, we'll find it. If it's not, there's nothing we can do. If somebody beat us to it or if you just didn't lose it where you thought you lost it. Right. Um, one of the things, so I'm a big animal lover. So one of the cutest things that I saw uh, was that one guy has he's trained his dog to help him dig so he searched with a metal detector and then the dog helps dig some stuff up yeah uh, are there a lot of these tandem things that go on in your directory and does the dog count as a slot in the city uh <laughs> no um i don't see that a lot i think it's pretty amazing and um i'd love to have a dog that helps me i mean there there are people in the treasure hunting world as you know dog smell is like incredible and they, they can sniff out bombs. They can sniff out guns, money. Uh, I had a guy who trained his dog to sniff out money, cash. And <laughs> his, his dog was a cash dog. So you go into a house where and, – and people – A little pickpocket, yeah. <laughs> well, not, not a pickpocket. No, they can actually smell out caches of uh, cash. So oh, people C-A- now – Oh, C-A-C-H-E, got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 
what, what I'm finding now with people is I'm getting calls for like house searches for people who have hidden stuff in their, in their house. I mean, I've got another company called Forgotten Fortunes, if you've seen that. Uh, it was just your and, um, awesome segue. You beat me to it. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that, Dan. Uh, but that's something where it starts to happen now where people are forgetful. And, you know, they're getting older and they've tucked away their cash and gold and stuff. And they just forget where they've, they've put it. So I'm getting members getting calls for house and property searches as well. And not only, not only um, insurance companies, lawyers have contacted members to search for house and property searches after people have passed away and they found receipts for gold, but they can't find the gold. I think we talked about that earlier, but um, that's the potential of being on this directory. Not only are you going to get calls from people who have lost a jury, you can get calls from insurance companies, you can get calls from lawyers to do house and property searches. These are huge like uh, fantasy searches for my members. I, I had a guy go out and find, I forget how many hundreds of pounds of silver, but it was quite a bit. And uh, the guy buried it just couldn't remember where he buried it all. So those searches for any of us, they get your blood boiling. And, well, it's a true uh, treasure hunt. Just, I mean, that's a treasure hunt. It's a true treasure hunt. It is. And to me, you know, I've been to Europe. I've my wife and I got married in a castle in Wales, and we spent four months four months medley teching the fields out there. I've got Roman brooches, Celtic brooches from 125 BC. There's nothing in the wow. world like finding something that's thousands of years old and being the first person to hold it. And that six degrees of separation from the time it was lost to the time it's being held again. And uh, that's what I, I truly live for. And that's what I've always wanted to do. And I focus on doing, then I fell into the ring finders and I, I, I have not found, like you say, a better job something that drives me and something that makes me so happy is to, is to help people. So finding people's rings to me is true treasure. It's, it's the now treasure, not the past, it's the present. And I can see what it means to people. And like my, my members on the directory, we all see the value in, in doing this and helping people. Well, now with this, with this old stuff, the, the Rome, the Rome Brutus stuff from BC, do you get to hang on to that? Yeah. Or does it go to a museum? I, it, it it depends. Now it's the laws are, have changed from the times I've been out there. Um, you have to report it. Uh, if they believe it's treasure, they will pay you fair market value. If they want to keep it, they can. They got to pay you a little something. So, um, yeah, you can't just go into a country now and find something and walk away with it. You've got to, especially in the UK, you have to do the right thing. It's the Treasure Act laws out there. So we all know it now. And um, if they let you have it, you get to keep it. Now, now for these these uh, house searches, there was one search. I want you to tell me about this, where a woman found a note in a fireplace uh, that there was gold <laughs> buried under the house, uh, and then you guys tore up the house, basically looking for this gold. We're st we're still really good friends with with them, and um, she saw an article that was done on on me in a local paper, and she phoned me, and it was just the wildest. She's like, she's such a beautiful lady, and her her husband's such a great guy for not killing her. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> She was obsessed. Her husband found a note in the wall and it said, uh, treasures buried here. Uh, I think it was AJ Goodman and da, 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 19 something to 19 something, uh, over $3 million. He kind of laughed. He was renovating the basement and kind of laughed when he saw it and showed his wife. Well, his wife became obsessed. She got psychics involved. She got me involved. I had to contact a guy in uh, Oregon who's one of the best uh, long range treasure hunters that can, you know, sit there and tell us, is it there? He came out. We, I picked him up in Oregon, drove him out here. Um, we put him on the neighborhood. We put him on the street. He said, don't tell me what house. He walked down the street. He has this magnetic polar induction uh, device in his hand. He goes, it's this house. This lady's face just dropped. She's like, that's it. That's my house. He set up his equipment. He stood there for like an hour, uh, packed it up. And he said, well, there was a lot of gold here, but somebody beat you to it. And she's like, what? He goes, there was a lot of gold. It was in the fireplace and somebody beat you to it. And he packed up. I drove him back home. And um, the lady looks at me. She goes, Chris, what do you think? I go, well, this is one of the best in the world, what he does. I would tend to believe his. She goes, but couldn't he be wrong? I said, well, we're all human. But, you know, so she kept going to psychic. And psychics, before she'd even say anything, would go, oh, my God, you're looking for something. Oh, oh there's a lot of gold. Well, it drove her crazy. And what would you do if you thought there's $3 million buried in your fireplace could you sleep at night? She couldn't. Mm -hmm. So I dug hole. I, you wouldn't believe the holes I dug in her basement and how deep we got. And she brought in some guy who would, uh, it was, it was bizarre. It was the most bizarre search I've ever had in my life. And she tore the house down. 
Uh, it's, they it's... literally tore the house down. Wait, now, now this guy who said that he, so he detected that there was gold there at one point, but it's not there anymore. How do you detect that scientifically? Uh, it's, it's when something's been in a cavity for, say, 70, 80 years. It leaches into the, the foundation of the fireplace. So you can still get a, a residual signature. And he picked up the residual signature, was able to burn it off after like an hour. So he oh, knew it I wasn't see. there. I see. That makes sense. So um, she just couldn't, she couldn't let it go because all the psychics were just saying, don't quit, don't quit. So, you know, they tore the house down. After the house was down, we shot it with the uh, polar induction device and it was gone. And she just started laughing. Her husband was such a great guy because... He just he just went along with it, and fortunately they had enough money to rebuild a beautiful home and <laughs> live happily ever after. It, you know, but I, I never blame her. It, it's like the antiquity value could have been ten times that amount. So how how can you really sleep? And we she did so much research on this. She researched the name. She researched the people who owned the house prior. She and this is what she came down with the conclusion was just before. I think it was just after she bought the house, they changed the fireplace from wood burning to gas. The company she hired who changed and put all the fittings in a week after went out of business. You tell me who found it. <laughs> that's, that's, what we, that's what we both think. The guy's somewhere in Bermuda oh, wow. on a boat kicking back. And um, it's a great story. And that's I'm sure there's a ton of them out there, you know, so... That's and again, the, yeah. the ring the ring finders can open doors for all different types of searches. Well, let me ask you one other one other weird one. So, tell me about the ponytail you found in a in a can. Oh, searching. Stanley Park in a tin can. And um, isn't that funny? You can just say I know right away. Uh, these are things you just don't forget. I was in a, a park at Stanley Park. Uh, it's a big park, and some weird stuff you find in that park. But I found a tin can wrapped up. And cloth inside, I thought my vision was a Rolex. I'm like, oh, I'm going to run. There's a Rolex. It was a ponytail. And I just wrapped it back up, put it in a can, and buried it and walked away. So it wasn't, attached to, about it. It wasn't like, attached to a human head or anything, was just a ponytail? No, no, no. And as a matter of fact, I have been on body searches. Um, oh, really? Looking, helping the, the police for, um, you know, crime scenes and stuff like that. Sometimes they will bring us in. No kidding. I, I didn't. So how does yeah. that work? Well, there was a, a murder that was out here, and um, they somebody, strangely enough, like you said, somebody found the head, the skull, and brought it into town trying to sell the story of these kids. And they, were, they had to have the rest of the body to really convict this guy fully, uh, believe it or not. And um, they had a treasure club, myself, come into the area, and we did grid searches of the area to see, but there was no body to be found. Wow. So what what are you looking for when you do that? Uh, the metal on their body, the metal in their mouth, like how you Well, uh, she was wrapped up in a shower curtain, so probably some metal metal rings. Uh oh, wow. there could have been any anything in her pockets, who knows, but uh you know, you're hoping to get some of the evidence and hoping to stumble across the body, but we weren't successful in that. Wow, that's crazy. I didn't know that you did that kind of stuff. Uh and I searched mm. deep for this stuff. I didn't catch that story. That's pretty interesting. Um, I never, I never wrote about it. It's, it's something you don't talk about too much, you know. But we yeah, do, yeah. In, uh, but we do help the. You know, if we can help them, we will help them any way we can. The law enforcement. Yeah, I mean, finding is finding, and that's really what you guys do: is you find stuff. You'd like it to be treasure, but sometimes it's Absolutely. just finding things, um, finding metal. Uh, so let's mm-hmm. let's end this on on um, some fun stories. Uh, two of them, which are, are similar, in a magazine, Lost Treasure magazine, uh, they had an article about you. First of all, it's pretty cool that there's a magazine called Lost Treasure magazine. Second of all, the article is about you, which is also great for you guys. Uh, but it's, there was a story about how you found uh, a ring that sixty it was lost sixty years ago, and you found the owner as a class ring, um, and someone else found like a Dallas Super Bowl ring. And you guys found the owner. Um, do, do you guys typically find the owners of these rings? Like, I know you dig up a lot of rings and find random rings. Can you find the owners of these things instead of the owners coming after you? Yes, yes. I, I've been fortunate enough once in my life to find a ring because it had the guy's uh, wedding date on it inside, and it was lost at a ski resort. And I contacted the ski resort, and this was months after they closed, and somebody was there, and I said, "Look, did you have an awesome sound?" They said, "Yes." Can you see if somebody's reported this? And the guy did. 
and I was able to get it back. The ones that you're talking about, class rings, championship rings, are easy to find the owners. I got one I found this year. It was uh, 19, I think it was 1985. It's, it was 31 years old, and it was a high school class ring, and it had the guy's name in it. Most class rings have initials or a name. So you just go back, research a person, and you can get it back to them. And I found the guy within 24 hours, just contacted the school. They found him on Facebook, and, uh, you know, he gets his ring back. Um, the, the one you're talking about that's over 50 years old, it's just the one I'm thinking about. One of our divers was in, like, 10 feet of water, finds the ring. And this is the one that sticks out in my mind. This, this fellow wasn't going to graduate because he was going to war, like, a week later. And he wanted his class ring. And the teacher said, why do you want a class ring? You're not going to graduate. He goes, because I want one. So they, he got one. He went swimming like the next day and lost it. Oh, my God. 50 years, flashback to 50 years later. Here's one of our members in the water, finds it, researches it, and finds out the guy's still alive. I think he was in his 80s and was able to present it back to him. And this is the best part of what we do. I mean, when you can actually find somebody that hasn't called you and return it to see the looks in people's faces and better yet to hear the stories and what it meant to them. And um, it's priceless. So, yeah, I, I, I love that. And, you know, people who listen to this, if you've lost a ring, um, you know, your, your listeners, if they've lost a ring, it doesn't matter how long ago you've lost it. If it's on private property, we can still find it. That's uh, how can people get in touch with you if they want to, if they want you to hire your services, just go to the, the ringfinders.com, www.theringfinders.com and um, research somebody in your area, contact them, tell, tell the member the story. And uh, if you can put them in the area, they'll come out and they'll have a look for you. Uh, and you guys are on Twitter and Facebook and all this stuff. I'll have links to, to everything that you guys do. Uh, YouTube videos, there's Perfect. tons of YouTube videos. Um, I think there was one where you found four rings in a day. Um, but have you ever found in one single day five golden rings? <laughs> All right, that's um, a bad joke. No, but have you ever found five rings? I, I, I can't say that I have, but I had a member this year find over 200 pieces of jewelry. In it was year. from a, a, a heist. No, in a day. In a day? What? Yeah, this lady got broken into. And the cops were chasing him through a field and he was throwing stuff into a, a, a swamp as he was running. And this member was hired to come out and find whatever he could. And he got over 200 pieces of jewelry, rings, gold chains, bracelets, necklaces. So a uh, huge recovery, huge recovery there. Does that happen pretty often where you find stole, like stashes and caches of stolen merchandise? Mm -hmm. Not often, no. I, as a matter of fact, when I was really young, starting off, I found one at uh, Stanley Park again in the water and ended up finding like a gold pocket watch, some coins, some jewelry. Then I saw this handles a bag sticking out of the sand. I pulled it out. There was some more jewelry in it. So I got home, cleaned everything off, washed it off, and I found an Elks Club pin, 25-year member. So I, I started researching Elks Club, contacted them. They only had two members, and they knew the lady who got broken into when she was out of town. So I arranged to meet with her. When I got there, there was two cops waiting for me wow. and I wasn't greeted. I wasn't greeted nicely, put it that way. Really? They, they interrogated me like, yeah. And I'm, I'm just kind of looked at the guys. I was probably like 25 years old. And I said, look, I think, why are you interrogating me? I found this, I cleaned it up and I'm trying to get back to the owner. Well, she got broken into And how did you know that it was there? I go, I didn't know it was there. I was just Melly detected and I found it. I go, come on. Why well, if you, you broke in, why would you be giving it back? <laughs> I know, I know. Hey, this is what I don't want. Here you go. But um, right, right. no, yeah. I, I have found, you know, and I'm sure other members have found stuff. But like I say, we all want to do the right thing. We all want to help people. And, you know, I saw the value in it right away in helping people. I, I have probably uh, in, in my safe deposit box just this couple years over 30 gold rings i'm waiting and hoping that somebody might contact me and say hey i lost a ring at this beach or this lake uh where i could say hey i got it you know but do you, um, do you label everything people, like you, do you know like yeah i oh, label where i oh, found you, them yeah. in in what water and what place so oh, wow. i know where where each ring's found so if somebody contacts me and that's why i keep them because i hope that one day somebody might contact me and say hey i lost a ring i just found out about your directory 
and and then I can say, yeah, I found it. So that's incredible. I mean, most people would probably pawn them for extra cash, and you have a highly organized system that you're paying a security deposit box to hold. That's pretty impressive. Well, <laughs> it just to me, you know, I guess what I see more than anybody is they all come with a beautiful story, and that story ends when they lost it. So. You know, what, why we created this directory, why I do this is because we like to continue these stories for people. And like I say, every member who's joined, they've joined for the reason that they enjoy the same thing as I do. And that's returning these rings. There's, there's a ton of people that do melee teching. There's a ton of people that find a ton of rings. And yes, you probably never find the owners because they're in holiday resorts like Hawaii or, or you know, Florida, where people come from around the world. And there's guys that have incredible collections, but when you look deeper than just the the money value, the scrap gold value, there's there's such amazing stories given to you by your great grandmother, passed along generations down the line, and it ends. And then you're the one that can continue the story. It's it's a wonderful thing, and that's why we all do it. Uh, well, I, I think that that is a great place to end this, Chris. I, I love your service. I love what you do. Uh, I can't believe it exists, um, but you're, you're doing great work, and you put together an incredible network. Uh, this it, it seems pretty fun. I'm, I'm half tempted to go out and buy a metal detector if I wasn't so ridiculously inept at using one, I'm sure. Uh, well, Chris, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Again, Dan, thank you for your time. No, thank you. And, and I want to thank everyone for listening. Have a good night. Fascinating Nouns is a Glencoe production and is hosted and produced by me, Daniel J. Glenn. The show producer for this episode was Sarah Brandt. The Fascinating Nouns introduction was produced by Daniel J. Glenn and E.A. Barrientos with music and sound design written and performed by E.A. Barrientos. If you want to learn more about this episode and all the other episodes, go to fascinatingnouns.com where you can find a Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube page, all for this and other episodes, supplemental material galore, even a Pinterest page if you like pictures. Go to fascinatingnouns.com. And if you want to check out my other projects, all of them, go to danieljglenn.com where you can be enamored by all the incredible projects that are going on there. Thank you for listening. End of transmission.